This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Yeah. Saxophone, he's mixing that thing really good. It's very uh, busy in the corridors of Triple R today. Take it, take it, take it, take it. Boom. Lots of people floating around, a lot of scientists, there are a lot take of it, doctors. Take, I'm just riding the beat, man. Sure. <laughs> You're looking around, <laughs> I'm in the music. Trevor, two. Yeah, there's a lot happening. It's busy. Oh my God. It's busy. There's people at the window. <laughs> Hello. Hello. No, oh, here's why we're back. Anyway, there's lots happening yes. here because it's the changeover. It's the afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We've made it through the morning. What are you doing? You on the road? You're getting a pie. <laughs> As hey? you do on a Sunday? Yeah, you're going down the South Melbourne Market. Uh, one of our one guests, of those dim sims. One of our guests has already cooked a chicken tagine. How is your Sunday going in comparison? Yeah. That's okay. motivated if you've got a tagine under your belt by but, midday. That's uh, Sean Byrne, overachiever on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, he makes vermouth. And we're going to ask him the question, what is vermouth? What Matt, is what's vermouth? I, I incorrectly asked this on the way in, <laughs> and I both stupidly and incorrectly said, it's a spirit, isn't no, it? Is no, it a spirit? And, and, and what, what did I say? You said, no, dumbass. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> it's fortified wine. I'm not like that. It, yeah. it might have been, in, there might have been an inference. Yes, there was a tone. Oh, no. There was a definite tone. No, you idiot. But I learned on the way in that uh, vermouth is, in fact, a fortified wine. Yes, that's been flavoured. It's sort of like sherry with more layers. Yes. Uh, anyway, yes. Well, that's that's Ooh. my working definition. Spooky. But uh, what can you do with it? Where did it come from? What's it all about? Uh, is there any good Australian stuff? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're hoping Seb's coming in too, although he's not answering the phone. Anyway, Sebastian Rayborn, yes. the redoubtable one, in case people are wondering. Um, so there might be a two-hander, if not... Um, we're probably going to have Negronis later on. So we're looking yes. forward to that, just personally. Very, very much so. Named after the Count. If you haven't uh, had a Negroni, know not what it is. Fear not. All will be revealed a little bit later on in the hour. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Um, and then we're to, before that, we're going to do Cabaret. Yes. This yes. is true. Not you and I, thank God. God, thank God. <laughs> but first, a number. <laughs> Um, we'll just let that um, unfortunate mental image just permeate and <laughs> penetrate the brain. Uh, no, someone much better than uh, either you or I at yes. Cabaret, uh, Michelle Pearson. She's coming across uh, from the land of the pie floater. Radelaide. Radelaide. <laughs> Radelaide comes alive <laughs> with Michelle. No, she's coming over here for uh, Melbourne Fringe. She's doing a show, Comfort Food Cabaret. She'll tell yep. us all about it. Um, it's sort of like uh, it's, uh, it's it's a mashup, uh, which is good. Oh, Sebastian Rayborn, sick dog, but oh. on the way. Oh. oh, okay, that's good and bad, isn't it? it Yin is. and yang. It is. It's like life, isn't it? Yeah. Dog sick, but I'm on my way. Thank you, Sebastian. We look forward to seeing you. Uh, back to Michelle. She's doing a show. We're going to find out a little bit about that. And in the green room. Yes. Uh, currently looking at phones and stuff like that. Uh, Maddie McConnell from Ballerina. Yes. We'll be saying, what have I done on my winter holiday? Yes. Uh, what he likes at the moment is in his kitchen. And a question we haven't asked for a while, Matt. Mm-hmm. The Don Le Merde experience. 
And Matt's quite rightly saying, what so, on earth are you, what talking, are you about? talking about? Well, that's French. Uh, merde is uh, in the, yeah, the, mm, <laughs> the polite way of saying it, if you uh, were trying to, if you had children in front of you, uh, would be to say when you're in the weeds in the kitchen. Mm. You know when things go really bad. When chips are down. When the chips are down. Or sometimes literally. When the fryer's blown up. When the sous chef is bleeding everywhere, I don't know. Whatever you know, we went to, he's, oh, he's, he's put the hand, the, the chin in the hand. Um, we're going to have a bit of a chat about that. It is twelve oh six here on Sunday. As I put down my microphone, a we little are bit clumsy. We uh, haven't as yet said thanks to the scientists, thanks Dr. Shane and team. Nor um, have we said who we are. Cameron Smith. Who are you? Matt Stedman. I'm Cam Smith. I'm Matt Stebman. We're here to help. Yes. <laughs> We're here to talk about food and drink. <laughs> we hope. And uh, we've got this spot for oh, about 54 minutes left. Yes. And there's going to be Negronis. Now, um, just one thing, Tim, we've got um, a couple of serious things to do. Yes. Now, we should move into serious mode. Um, the first one is um, Tim did this yesterday mm. on Vital Bits. Tim Thorpe, our, our wonderful compatriot, who I chased out of the studio for the very first yeah, time. Yes, he demanded he remove himself <laughs> from the he studio. Was, he was quite shocked, too, because <laughs> we don't normally talk to him like no. that. Um, I was joking, Tim, just so you know, <laughs> I really was. Uh, we have had... One of the things that is great about this station is that there are people that have been involved with this thing for many, many years because yes. they're imbued with it, they're part of it, they're part of the furniture, they're part of the family... And um, a couple of people who've been cleaning up endlessly, effortlessly and cheerfully mm. our mess for years, uh, Nesta and Aurora, mm. um, have they're going back to Spain. Mm. Saying, screw you, I'm going to drink sherry. <laughs> and uh, have beautiful tapas. But um, Nesta and Aurora have been looking after the place and just thought we'd... Um, Shout them out. Acknowledge. Shout out. Acknowledge. Yes. Acknowledge. All right, Matt, come on. We have uh, we have some sad news, mm-hmm. and, but we had some correspondence, which is a bittersweet sort of thing, I suppose. Mm. It's, it's one of those things where, well, uh, Matt, over to you, mate. Well, we just got an email from uh, Di earlier this week who just wanted to let us know that her husband, Dave, who uh, we spoke to as the owner of Firebrand Bakery, when was that? Last year? Oh, year no, before, right. I'm so a few footy seasons ago. It's probably about maybe three years ago, I think. Yeah. But uh, Dave is the, um, was, was the baker mm. at um, one of the, well, I'd say the top five in, in Melbourne, mm. um, a place that's built around a beautiful wood-fired oven that was installed in the 30s, and I'm talking about Firebrand Bakeries yes. in Glen Ira Road across the road from Attica. Mm-hmm. So please... Continue, man. Yeah, and Dave just wanted to let us know. Unfortunately, I think he'd been sick for a little bit of time, but um, Dave passed away a couple of weeks ago. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to say thanks for letting us know. And what was a nice moment, the bittersweet moment, was um, they actually replayed that interview as a family and had listened to it last week, um, which is a nice thing to be able to to be able to say and do and and listen back to uh, the story of of Dave and the interview that we had. So it was thanks for getting in touch, Di, and it was um, a nice thing for us to. To know that you could hear that back again and uh, and get something from it. Yeah, I, I concur with that, Matt. Mm. I think the, the lovely thing is that um, it's a little contribution that we made that means something to them. So mm. I think that's great. So to Diane, Lily, Seamus, 
um, who are going to keep the business going along. Yes. That's probably That's the main news. thing. But um, we lift a little glass of stout. Yes. Because I know that Dave <laughs> loved, loved a glass of stout. Um, so, yeah, here's to you, mate, and thank you for a really, really a beautiful life where you think of the contribution he's made. He's provided bread for people. I mean, mm. that's a pretty great and honest way to make a living. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 12.10 here on 3 R. We're going to go to the cabaret. Yes. We're going to speak to Michelle, assuming she answers the phone. Let's hope she does. Let's hope she does. Let's hope. Hope she does. Fingers crossed. Cool. Bloody hell. That's some rock and roll coffee right that there. That was some rock and roll coffee. That's, that's a double shot. <laughs> yes. Double shot with a double kick pattern. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> right, you like that drummer joke. 1212 uh, uh, here on 3RRFM. Uh, uh, one person not making drummer jokes because there is no drummer in her show. Great keyboards, though. Uh, Michelle Pearson, a very, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, um, we First of all, congratulations on your award-winning offering. Thank you, you very you, much. You, no, no, it's very, very exciting. What did you get? You got a gong. What gong did you get? I won uh, the Adelaide Theatre Guide Award for Best Cabaret in uh, South Australia, obviously, uh, for mm. my show Comfort Food Cabaret. Comfort Food Cabaret. Yes, it's uh, going to be a part of the Melbourne Fringe Festival. Uh, let's see, going from Friday, 15th of September to Sunday, the 17th, so over the weekend. Yeah. So yeah. you'll be coming across. Uh, one of the interesting things about this is normally, you know, you go, it's booking, it's at the Athenaeum, it's at Trades Hall, it's, you know, yada, yada, yada. You've got a secret location. Yes, I do. Yes, so mm. for Comfort Food Cabaret Melbourne Fringe, we are hiring a, a beautiful, luxurious Melbourne penthouse in Southbank. And how, how does uh, one we... go about doing? It? Is it like an Airbnb thing, or do you just know lots of people that have penthouses? Uh, it, on... was, it was very difficult to find somewhere, yeah, I was um, and that's say. partly the reason we're doing it in a penthouse. We just decided because. Within within the the show, like I actually feed people a three course meal, and I um, you know weave in my own stories and song um, throughout. So we wanted to be able to you know give people that real really kind of luxurious VIP kind of offering, and I guess the the penthouse worked out really well for us. So yeah, so, sounds good. And and here it is. I mean, this is uh, where you do say that uh, comfort food is where your two worlds collide and I'm assuming that's yeah. uh, that's the 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 making of food the giving of food and and cabaret and singing yeah absolutely so I guess I've always loved cooking and I've always been a singer uh, and I guess I've always led with the singing but I've always wanted to do more with my cooking and Instead of opening a restaurant, I, you know, wanted to kind of look at what I could do, and I think that this is probably the best option because I, it's very hard, as you would probably be aware, that you know chefs and cooks work very, very long hours generally into the night, so that would probably cut out all of the music for myself. So, yeah. Comfort Food Cabaret is, I guess, um, moulding those two um, passions together, and yeah, in a two and a half hour show, um, everyone gets to see a little bit of that. So, all of the, the food is actually cooked by me. And I um, and I relate a whole lot of the stories and the songs to um, the recipes that people are eating. So I guess it's a real journey for everybody. <laughs> so you you actually feed people during the show, so people will actually get yes. to eat 
um, bits and yeah, pieces yeah, that yeah, you create. Yeah, yeah. Have you yeah, got, yeah. Have you got yeah. an assistant helping you serve I up do. everything? Oh, yeah, I, good. I do, I do, I do. And it was very hard to find an assistant um, to be able to do it because it's not, I don't need a... I don't need a chef. I don't need a like a line cook. I kind of needed somebody who understood, um, the, I guess the yeah, like logistics of catering, who could feed people in you know large quantities, and yeah. also have a real sense of um, theatre and an understanding of cabaret. And that was quite hard to find. But I have um, I have a great girl called Lauren Quinn who I ended up actually going to school with. The reason I always tell this story affectionately, but I. I I definitely chose her because I remember being in high school and her mum and her feeding us like extensive amounts of beautiful Maltese food after school. Oh, <laughs> so, Maltese, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful food. And, you know, you go to one of her family gatherings and, you know, there's a hundred people there and everyone's getting huge amounts of food. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I guess it's a pretty, um, a unique job title. That's awesome. Okay, so as well as that, you've got, um, um, what's his name? Here we go, Aaron Nash on keys. Aaron Nash, yeah. Yep. Yep. And um, how, okay, just quit. How did, how did this idea come across? It's like, okay, I want to span these two sort of worlds of, um, of food and cooking and cabaret and singing. What well, happened? Well, uh, I guess. I guess for me, it's uh, like I mentioned, it's it's my two passions, cooking and singing, mm. and uh, I wanted, I've always wanted to bring them together. I think it's a really, uh, it's a real beautiful fit, um, music and food, and I love the way that uh, we all kind of connect with people over food. So, sitting with family or colleagues or friends, dinner parties, family dinners, and I guess I want to invite people into my family dinner. And I guess the other the, the other bit to cabaret is that, you know, true cabaret is about making people feel like they know you, that, that almost that, like they're sitting in your, you know, in your dining room or your lounge room and you're telling them a story through song. Mm. And so I wanted to bring the two mediums together and that's basically what we do. So we debuted in the Adelaide Fringe this year and I had no idea how successful it would be, but we fed over 900 people over the month. Wow. A huge undertaking for us, and but it was great, and it was a real launching pad for myself. And now we're bringing it to Melbourne Fringe, and uh, yeah, we're doing it slightly differently in a much more intimate setting. Um, but I think it will be beautiful, and it will be a real, a real experience for people. It sounds great, and um, and so the um, uh, and I've heard you sing. My God, you've got you've got a big voice. Thank you. <laughs> big voice, so yeah, can can do the, uh, the 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 big songs and the and soft stuff too. And um, from what I'm seeing here, the music uh, influences as diverse from Ella Fitzgerald to Katy Perry and and a bit of Chisel. My yeah, I love Cold Chisel. I'm chisel. such a Cold Chisel fan. <laughs> yeah, what what, so, what yeah. Chisel song you do? Uh, in or parody show, of. I actually do. I actually do. Uh, I don't do a parody of Chisel in the show, but I do uh, a song called Bow River. Oh, so back in that's River again. my favourite Chisel song. Yeah, yes. and I think it's all for me. That one really connects to you know me kind of leaving my full time kind of corporate job to really follow my dreams in a full time way. Oh my and god! That's and what, you can you, know, comfort you can so do the big cabaret finish with that song too. I can just imagine. Yeah, it's great. yeah. And, Aaron, and Aaron on keys, he has like the best rock sound. He's got a really good rock key sound, and right. he just kind of just smashes it out on the he keys. He sounds it. fantastic. So there's there's food, there's frivolity, there's uh, there's great views, there's luxurious settings. Um, how do we book for this? Let us know, and we shall handball it out there to the general public. 
Thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, so people can book at Melbourne Fringe. They just need to visit Melbourne Fringe online and they can book tickets. Um, or an easier way is just to search for Comfort Food Cabaret at Melbourne Fringe and it will come straight up for you. How and much? Uh, you can book tickets. It's $85 a ticket and it includes a three-course meal and a wine and beverages. We have matching wines by a South Australian winery called Fox Creek Wines, Wines. award-winning winery, beautiful reds and whites, and um, we're bringing a bit of SA to Victoria to taste. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's about time that happened. Well, look, good luck with it all. Um, chookers, as we say, break a leg. And uh, may that penthouse sell out wherever the hell it Thank is. Thank you. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Beautiful. Michelle Pearson. Thank you. See you, mate. All right. So from uh, across the spin effects, yeah. we're back here in the studio. 12.04. Matt, you've got some music some for us. music. Play over here. Oh, there he goes, off mic. And we can even talk over the intro. I oh, really like we do, like they do in other radio stations. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a song. Someone wrote it. It's from uh, Triple R's album of the week. The band is called Beaches. And people are just saying, will you shut up and just let the song go? Sure. Let's do that. Good advice. They're good advice. Howdy about uh, 1224. Uh, before we do start, we should uh, probably mention something which we should have done at the beginning of the show. Yes. It has been Radiothon. You know that because um, we all went through all the Radiothon shows together, which yes. was great. And if you've pledged a subscription, you've got until Wednesday, 20th of September to pay up. And if you haven't 5 pledged... 5pm. 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 The doors get locked at 5pm for some reason. Uh, and if you haven't pledged a subscription, you can still do so now and go in the running for all the prizes. Ah. You can. Yeah, sounds good. And um, someone who hasn't lapsed in their pr- uh, subscription, uh, Maddie McConnell. G'day. Hey, howdy. Happy Sunday. Is that what? Child is uh, good. Hey, there we go. Good boy. It's going to It's all good. Um, we can say welcome. Don't like those headphones. It's not working. No, uh, that's oh, right. there's a volume. You might know. Just turn it oh, up. A volume switch. Hey, huh? That's <laughs> sophisticated. Keep, keep them in the kitchen. Huh? <laughs> How sophisticated is that? How's that? Oh, wow. Hey, hey hang on. He's sounding yeah. really good. He's liking that. Hi, You've been away. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you go? Oh, so uh, so last year um, I made the decision that winter wasn't for me. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, okay. Yes. Um, and I just thought be a great opportunity um two two little kids just to go away and run away and get the hell out of here you know, do what do what we used to do before kids and um oh. and travel and eat and drink mm, our way through drink. different places um, yes so yeah so we, that go? Oh, it was wonderful the, yeah. the drinking part all of it all of it all of it nothing nothing bad at all so, so um uh, italy greece spain portugal and morocco oh for the God main ports yeah, yeah sickening oh, huh everyone's just going to yeah. get out of here yeah. highlight uh, definitely Lisbon. Lisbon. Definitely, yeah. Um, I mean, it was all great. Lisbon's on a river, yeah? Lisbon is on a river. It's on yeah. the Targus. It's a, it's a massive, massive river. Yeah. Um, actually, one of the, the best things that we did do there is we found this... Um, I'd heard about this little restaurant on the other side of the river, which is the more underpopulated side to so the, mm. the north. The edgy side. Yeah, yeah. It, it is quite edgy, yeah. actually. So... Um, you Look after your wallet. Got, got a little ferry across the river. Um, walk for about a kilometre along the, the waterfront there, which is... Um, uh, a row of um, dilapidated old um, storage sheds that are covered in graffiti and really oh, quite really? interesting. And then you walk towards the main the main bridge, um, a beautiful outdoor restaurant on the waterfront. Um, it's, it's very very um, very very cool. What sort There's of a day is it? Just just give it. Was it like beautiful day? Twenty seven degrees oh, sunset. Stop it. 
Can you smell the sardines yeah, grilling? Yeah, yeah, there's a little bit of smoke in the background there. Yeah. There's too much to drink there. Yeah, um, yeah and just you know, those mo- boats going by. Moments like those, is you just you just go, you know, wow, we've got Southgate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Docklands. Yeah, yeah, the Yarra and Princess. You just, yeah, and it's just you know, for you know, for a chef traveling, it's it's all ticks ticks every single box of, yeah. of what you what you want to be traveling and looking out for, and um, bring home inspiration. What you eat and drive. Uh, we had an amazing dish of just a, what they do classically um, in Portugal is uh, when you sit down, you'll get laid out with a, a plate of beautiful fresh cheeses. There'll be a little goats, um, soft goats, uh, mm. some sheep's milk cheese, mm-hmm. some butter, a couple of olives, mm-hmm. um, and that's just like a little snack to get you started with, your, you with your bread, um, and then just a range of tapas, we'll, we'll hit the table, so a little octopus salad, we had a little chickpea salad, yeah. a bit of this, bit of that, and then we ordered some um, some slow-cooked, uh, uh, twice-cooked veal ribs, so something that I've cooked years ago, um, so yeah. you braise first, and then sort of like the oh, reverse, braise first. yeah, the reverse grilling, so braise first, and then rolled over a really hot um, char grill, Yes, um, a pot of wet rice, which is a, another a classic Portuguese dish. Wet rice. Yeah, delicious. Toast oh. bit of it's a it's short a, grain, it's long a, grain. Uh, short grain. Short grain. But so it's, its, it's like gig a, is to absorb the. But it doesn't. It's actually more like a congee. It's actually quite oh. interesting. And I think that's the the one thing about Portugal that I always come back to is is they went everywhere. I mean, they were here three hundred years before um the other white guys. Vasco here. pajamas. Yeah, and they no. brought it back. Yes, <laughs> they brought it back. Um, and they really absorbed a lot of. Uh, Ingredients from all around the world into their own cuisine. So Portuguese you know, were in; um, they went in J- Japan. Were they one of the Japan, first in there? In Africa, Macau, and then they took all their deep love of deep fried food in there and Jesuits, of course, yeah. um, because they were the Jesuits. Yeah. They were sort of like the shock troops of the Catholic Church that went far yeah. and wide. And so, as you were saying, they brought it back all these influences. So, yeah. so wet rice. Wet rice, a pot of wet rice, mm. uh, a plate of sardines, and a salad of um, just tomatoes sprinkled in salt and vinegar. So, easy. dare I say, it just all gets back to cook and ain't rocket surgery. Oh, but look, it, it about, can be. Yeah, of course it can, <laughs> but, but some of the most be. profound things <laughs> yeah. that you can have... Uh, really, just really simple things where great ingredients are left to shine. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a confusion between simplicity um, and stuff that's dumbed down. I mean, simplicity can be really quite hard to do. Like, um, I mean, for example, of that restaurant, I mean, they didn't get to build that bridge and make sure that the sun set in the same spot every day, did they? <laughs> no, no, they didn't. <laughs> so it, it's all this culmination of just little factors that all have to align, mm. come together, and I suppose that's what comes down to you know our bar you know we're always trying to make what sure what bar is that uh ballerina it's a place yeah. in the city isn't it yes it's been around for a while now it's isn't it? uh 11 and a half years now Cam. the wall yeah. has grown um the clock just keeps ticking it does yeah. it, it it does indeed so um so that day went on so you had those those beautiful foods, and if I can just come back to the fact of, here was one that I uh, that I originally thought of when you said when you said chickpeas, and I thought chickpeas can be so mundane, and mm. yet and yet they can be lifted up incredibly. Oh. And as you do at, the, at your restaurant, but how was this chickpea dish done? This is a cold salad, so they've done yes. they've been been boiled first, and they've been thrown into I guess a frito base of some pretty heavy cumin. Yeah. Flavors and coriander, yeah. and onion and lemon, and that was it. 
and served at room temperature. And here you go. Stunning. And this is a, this is another example of um, the influences that um, come across mm. from all around the world. Like you know, absolutely, Carmen. Yeah. Anything coming on the menu that um, you saw that you wanted to replicate or do or just, uh, dare I say, a homage? Uh, oh, look, you know, there's been a couple of a couple of things pop on pretty much straight away, and I've got a, a pretty good list of uh, ideas lined up for, for seasonal changes. Obviously, I've come back into the end of winter, so I've got to wait for a little bit mm. for a couple of things. And but, we've had um, to wait a little bit too yeah. with this... Uh, this last gasp of winter that we've had. Yeah, normally, normally there'd be a little bit more going on in the in the greens department. Um, yeah, with my farmers guaranteeing me, be patient, be patient. It's going to be, be great. Patient, grasshopper. <laughs> the padron chilies are still coming down from New South Wales. They are. They are. Yep. Um, loving you, those. Have you guys out there had a padron chili? Cheese, they're fun. Um, can you describe them for people that that haven't had them? Look, fl- flavour wise, um, they're nothing like a capsicum. So. Strike that. They're not quite like a chili. They've got like a beautiful, like, uh, edgy bitterness to them. Mm. And then there is that uh, age old theory of one in ten is extremely hot. So they are also known as the Russian roulette of, of peppers. Um, and you will see these. They're, they're traditionally grown in Galicia in the north of, northwest of Spain. Mm. Um, but you will see them all over Spain at tapas bars. It's a, it's a go to, I think. One of the, the great tragedies is I wish that you could get them more readily because they are they're pretty hard to find they're pretty they're, they're pretty temperamental to grow from from the couple are of they? people that I've, I've spoken to um yeah. they've got a farmer uh, up in the Yarra Valley who has a has a good shot at them um, he must do it in a hothouse I would assume so yeah because yeah, it's it's like tunnels, it's like an upper temperate sort of absolutely it's not quite tropical but you need um yeah. Uh, not cold nights, but you need a little bit of warmth during the night because yeah. I imagine they wouldn't like like that. Yeah, I, I, obviously I'm not a farmer, but I, I have uh, had discussions, and it does seem like a very, very tricky uh, little pepper to grow. Oh, maybe he's just saying that when he you know gives you the invoice, going, put yeah, the price what, do you, up. what do you mean they're that much? <laughs> hey, yeah, you know how hard these things are to grow. Hey, Matt, you need to. There's someone needs to come in. Just direction. There we go. Check. <laughs> Check. Check that. Here we go. Someone's come in. Um, yeah, padrons. But they're, they're so easy to do because it's really just a matter of hot pan. You tell me if I'm wrong. Hot pan, a little bit of olive oil. Ticka, ticka, ticka. A little bit of salt. Lots of salt. Lots of salt. Um, bang into the hot oven for a little while. Bring them out so they've just sort of cooked through. You want them blistering yeah. with texture, but just starting to soften. Is and, that real And beer line? and bread and, lots, and, lots and, and lots, yes. anchovies and yeah. radishes. And, and sun shining. And, <laughs> and kingfish <laughs> with that as well. Um, so, yeah, we are waiting for, for spring to happen. Have you been getting asparagus yet? have not been getting asparagus yet. It's not something that's really featured a lot at Barbara, no, but I, I haven't seen right. a lot of it around as yet. Same with morels too, I would imagine. You wouldn't be all that. Oh, look, I can't wait to get out and uh, to go looking for them. It's the, oh, Someone did say that they'd seen some at the market the other day. So I th- Really? I, I, which surprised me because it has been extremely cold. So they do need a, a good whack of sunshine, I think, a bit of rain followed by sunshine to, to make them pop. To get that... That yeah. all happening. I I do love a morel because a great, amazing, great mushroom. taste. Yep. Uh, so that, but that's some some. Uh, uh, you blink in that season, it's gone. Yep. So get those those happening. Matt. Yes. Sometimes <laughs> services go really really well. 
And at the end of the night, everyone looks at each other and nods their heads and goes, yeah, that was good. Beer's all round, you know, it's all good. Where are we going for a, a bite to eat after this? It's all good. Sometimes <laughs> things turn to shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any experiences that you'd want to relate to us that... Oh, What's the worst year? What's your what? I think I could qualify myself as a master of shit in the kitchen. Actually. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> well, you've been doing it for long as I have, and yeah. as, old as, as old as I am now. Yes. You know, not, might, might not be as sharp as I was 20 years ago in the yeah, kitchen. Right. So, Dealing with all the orders in front of you, yeah, like but, a flight controller. But I think I think there is a an overwhelming uh, thing in the industry. You know, there's an acknowledgement in all teams that, you know, it's going to go down well, one day. It is, um, but it's how you recover. It's all about the recovery, I ah, think. So nice, I think yes. it, it, if you, I mean, I've I've been one of those chefs that's never believed in perfection in the kitchen because uh, once you reach perfection, where do you go to? Yes. Um. And, but by having that, you've also got to acknowledge that there's also the other end of the spectrum, which does smell pretty brown and dirty. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um um and if you have that in mind, it's all about training people. What happens when this after? Happens. How, how how do we cope after there's uh, blood everywhere? I, I think the most recent. Uh, stuff up yes. um, that went down at, in the bar in your kitchen and yeah. it was, a, it was a, an incredible Saturday night we were completely Ooh. full chuckers um, everything was going orders everywhere absolutely brilliant um, we were moving through that 8 o'clock to 8.30 period where there's a, a good amount of people leaving uh, quite a few coming in mm. the docket rail which had been jammed for the two and, a, two and a half hours before had gradually gone down to the one or two dockets and <sighs> just waiting for the next yeah, run cool. to come okay, we're ready. and it's all under control and yeah mise en place is all in front of you everything's yeah, done it's kind of like let's yeah. get a quick, quick one over the floor get the floor clean yeah. do a bit of this do a bit of that and so like, look at the clock. It's been about 15 minutes since we've got an order. Yeah, what's going That's on? That's unusual. Oh, God. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. That one, you can see what's yeah. happening. Can you uh, see where this is going, folks? Yeah, someone, yeah. possibly the boss, might have accidentally knocked the uh, plug out of the uh, docket machine. That's me. Oh! Uh, so I've plugged it in, and we actually filled the docket rail with another half a docket rail that we couldn't fit in oh. in that 15 minutes. So yeah. I was kind of figuring out why the waiters hadn't come because yeah, they'd been too busy people? punching all those orders in. Yes. <laughs> and sure enough, we literally had to feed everyone in the place, up and down, straight away. Whoa. So that initial rush of calling one dock at a time, turning into no. laying out seven or eight tables and going, give me seven of that, eight of that, eight of six that. of that, five keep of moving, that. Keep moving, keep moving. So, you know, it's... it. Keep cooking. We recovered. It was a little bit of a slow start. We got there in the end. Yeah. And I think it just kind of, you know, for a, a team to come together and just not just completely lose their nana and pull it off. That's, you know, the, a sign of, you know, really, really good people and working with, with great people and... Snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, you could say. That's it. It was yeah. like, yes, we burn it! We've we, won! We were down. Was that West Coast last night? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a football analogy there. I, it might have been. might have been. Stolen. Stolen. Some some yeah, say, yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, so... Um, Lots of great things. Oh, very quickly. In in 30 seconds, Matt's doing the wind-up. Um, Morocco. Oh. Land of spice. Go. Land of... Um, Go. Um, where east meets west. It's that interface between sort of Africa mm. and the in the Islamic world to Incredible. Christendom. Yeah, look, it's it's um, the flavour of Morocco and obviously the Moors that um, influence and dominate a lot of the food of the south of Spain has been something of great interest to me. To actually yeah. go to Morocco, um, just be overwhelmed and blown away by flavours, produce yeah. and the people. The people are just incredible. Um, it was it was it was almost like you know my 
pilgrimage to the heart and soul of a lot of what we've done in in Ballerinia for 11 years. So it was truly moving, amazing. We look forward to seeing uh, what's going to be happening with the uh, the menu once it warms up a little bit at Ballerinia and Little Collins Street. Um, we're going to be talking about vermouth. 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 Yes. Um, Australian made. Yum. Sean Burns here. Sebastian's here. Uh, there might even be a Negroni. You going to hang? I'm going to get the tram home. I think that's a good <laughs> idea. Uh, 12.39 here on 3 FM. Matt wants to play some music. There it is. Uh, hitting that snare. <sighs> that's a metal snare, isn't it? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Metallic. metallic yeah. Here we go. What sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? Make it a double. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody got to say. Somebody got to sing. Let's drink. Yeah, let's drink, everyone. Oh, it's stirring. It's happening. We've just, we've just. This is fantastic, ladies and gentlemen. We're here in. Beautiful downtown East Brunswick, but uh, it looks like we've just opened up a bar, which is uh, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Uh, Shane Bourne, a very very good afternoon to you, sir. Hello, how you doing? I'm better for you being here, <laughs> and uh, and uh, the wonderful Sebastian Rayborn, a very very good afternoon to you. Howdy, Cam. A pleasure as always. Good to see you. Trouble with the dog, apparently. A little bit. Yeah, dog's been eating things uh, shouldn't. Uh, mm. Probably will be uh, at the vet overnight. Um, mastermind subject for you for you both. As we shake our glasses around, you jealous out there? Vermouth, um, <laughs> yes, um, a, a somewhat misunderstood thing. Um, what is it? Oh, I guess uh, I mean vermouth's been around for donkeys years. It's a we like to call it an unchallenged staple when it comes to cocktail making. <laughs> that's for sure. Yes. Um, uh, it's so uh, the, the first misnomer, which I heard you are uh, you brought up earlier um, on the program, is um, it's uh, it's not a spirit; it's a wine to start off with. It's. Um, <laughs> that's that's I'm not judging. Here. And no, for I just for yeah. reasons, hey, we will hey. stick to that. I yeah. just assumed it was a spirit. It was a silly assumption. Oh, oh. you're worse than me. That's terrible. <laughs> but See, I, didn't, I didn't say anything then, Matt. Sure. You know, sure. I was really good. Okay. Uh, so yeah, spirit in it though. Yes, it does. It does. It's a fortified wine. The, the easiest way to explain it, uh, I guess there's two easy ways. The one yeah. is if you start with a wine and then you give it some spirit, you fortify it. And yeah. examples of that would be port or sherry. Sherry. Yeah. Um, and then if you add some different types of plants to it, depending on the plants that you're adding, it becomes a vermouth or an aromatized wine. So this is sort of like sherry in a nicer suit. It is. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A more flavorful and aromatic suit. Yeah, so, oh, wow, I love what you're wearing. Well, that's more I'm wearing a nice cologne and stuff like that. And... Yeah. And that's See, I, it. I think of it, Cam, as the gin of wine. That's that's a very <laughs> yeah, good, yeah. That's, a, that's, 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 that's a good statement. That's very good too. Um, w- history. W- um, how long has it been around for? And oh. uh, who invented it? And what's going on there? Well, we like we like to look at it, and there's three different kind of time periods for vermouth. There's mm. what we call the antique period, which um, is, I guess, uh, when wormwood uh, uh, resin was found on uh, the inside of Chinese clay pots, which was used very medicinally, and we're talking like thousands of years ago. Um, then there's probably mm. the more industrial era, where, where mm. uh, the Italians really took charge with it. And then we've got a bit of a modern era, a when renaissance. Was, when was there. that Italian era? Just around about 19th century? Uh, a little bit earlier. Earlier? Yeah. Yeah. Late yeah. 1700s. Yeah. Okay. And, and was it one of those things that sort of came out of monks uh, doing doing stuff? Because that, that was... I that don't was, think no, so. No. This one? 
No, it came out of our households and uh, mm. people. It, it doesn't have the most glorious history. It was a means to an end. If you had wine that was slightly going bad, stretching or, it. It's yeah, like it's stretching yeah, the wine, baby. Right. Yeah. So yeah. adding what was local to you, uh, what was growing in the garden, and then fortifying it with some alcohol and sweetening it, and uh, you know, thus uh, vermouth was born. Uh, so th- you can imagine this. It might have been driven by a sort of uh, Italian housewives going with the finger out, going That's right. Why are you throwing away the wine? No, you're not doing that. It's okay. I'm going into the garden. I'm going into the garden. I'm going to get some stuff and put it in. No, you're not throwing it away. So maybe that is necessity, mother of invention. Definitely. Wasting not. Waste not, what not. And then the French got into it. They did also. Bloody guess French. If I'm, I'm sure uh, Seb will back me up here. They, they they did it a little bit differently to the Italians. And if you look at the, all the old Of course they did because they were French. That's they were, right. <laughs> I'm not yeah. here to say which one's better or worse, no. although my business partner is French, so I definitely have a leaning somewhere. Yes. Um, but uh, the French uh, tend to make uh, dry, dry styles of vermouth, and the Italians tended to make uh, sweeter styles of vermouth, although nowadays it's changed very much. And, and it's mm. such a blurry thing, mm. you know, what we know as France and what we know as Italy. You know, they blur I mean, together. what is Italy? Italy's just you a know, new construct anyway, and, really. And, and vermouth comes out of northern Italy, which is... You know, really very close to France. They pick botanicals right up through the Alps. So yeah. all of this is a crossover. Yes. You know, it's very hard to delineate and see, you know. So you've got these products that are being created in that part of Europe and they're sharing product, they're sharing ideas, they're sharing botanicals. It's, mm. pr- it's probably a good uh, a good point to call it the Savoy Kingdom. That's really where, um, where Vermouth came from, which kind of encompasses both those areas. Yes. Uh, and when you say Savoy, well, what do you mean by that? That's I guess it's a, it's a, it's a region. I'm not too uh, too too familiar on the history itself, <laughs> but it's more. Was it, am I correct in saying it's a, a shared border area and kind of expanding out? Yeah. Um, and this is where you see a lot of the uh, the old uh, vermouth houses that still exist today. So we're we're talking about uh, what? So, so it was it was a, it was a, a, an indiv- uh, an independent <laughs> region within mm. northern Italy. That sort of had its own rule and its own systems, and it extended into France, and there was a lot of that sort mm. of crossover. So it's definitely northern Italian, mm. but it was its own had its own identity, mm. depending on who you ask, because it's all politics. That's but, right. um, <laughs> but it's certainly you know this idea of it blending right through that part of Europe. Mm. You know, it sort of it, it exists there, and and the same ideas and the same flavors as you extend it to different places change and become other products. Got it, and. Look, the reason why we, we have these bottles in front of us and the reason mm. why we've got you here, Sean, is just to go, mate, what have you done? <laughs> this is just fantastic. You have created, well, let's face it. Oh, wait, we, 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 let's not forget Gilles Lapalou and myself. Okay, no, we'll, mm. we'll, we'll get to the, 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 the partnership, which is, which is great, but you have created a fabulous brand mm. and a fabulous identity uh, with Maiden and I. And um, there it is, the, the proof positive. We've got this uh, this great group of stuff, which I think Matt's taken a photo of. How did it? How, what was the the genesis of the company and the and the saying? I'm going to make vermouth. Well, uh, oh, we shall we, make that's vermouth. Right, that's right. That's right. Well, it was me to start with, and yep. it wasn't very good. I'm, I'm not going to lie. There, I was practicing making vermouth with the different components behind the bar at Gin Palace. When well, I was there. you were sort of known as Mr. Twig Tincher. I've got. I'm doing stuff from here. <laughs> that's and right, yeah. Check this out. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and I think, and Vernon just went, "My dear boy, that's right. We mate. really need to channel your energies a little bit better." <laughs> that sounds is pretty that accurate. sort of it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> 
and he uh, he introduced me to to Gilles. He said, "I've got a I've got a French winemaker friend, um, and he likes to do things a little bit differently." Of course he did. Yeah, of it's course Fernand. he does. That. I right, have yeah. a friend. <laughs> French winemaker is fabulous. You need to meet him. Mm. Yes. So yeah, we uh, met him, and then we sampled all the different vermouths on the market. When was that? Now, how long ago oh, was that? Two thousand eleven, two thousand and twelve. Yeah. Okay. So a little while ago. Yeah. Um, we tasted everything we could on the market, and uh, there are a couple of things that we kind of noticed and we really wanted to focus on when we developed it was uh, using a really good quality wine base. And I always use the example of a lot of vermouths um, they use, and this doesn't mean it's wrong or right, it's just the way it's done, um, will use a heavily filtered wine to have a canvas to paint your botanicals on, so to speak. Yeah. But we went down the route of actually using... Uh, the, uh, the, the, the wine as uh, one of the colours in the palette as well to influence the flavour rather than just being a blank canvas. Yes. So uh, the, I guess quite a heavy vinous influence was kind of a bit of a, a talking point for us. And then really native botanicals um, and uh, using what this wonderful country has to offer that no one really knows too much about. Which we're still um, discovering, but uh, mm. but there was a gentleman who you sort of look back on this old um, uh, botanist of English extraction. Do you That's want to right. talk about him very quickly? About Mr. Joseph Maiden himself. He yeah. was uh, he was one of the first botanists to arrive in Australia, and um, he was a champion. He he identified a whole bunch of uh, native uh, native species, uh, particularly with the acacia. He actually set up a National Wattle Day, which was uh, hey. only uh, only a couple of weeks ago, which is a uh, uh, the first day of spring where you're supposed the, to wear... And the first day of hay fever That's for a right. lot of people, yes. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Um, but he, was he like a contemporary of Von Mueller? Um, because Von Mueller was the first sort of uh, director of the herbarium in uh, the botanical gardens, was he not? He, uh, he was, I believe, yes. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, he was... The, uh, Joseph Maiden was one of the directors in, in Sydney ah, um, okay. yep. uh, gardens and he, he helped set up the, the herbarium as well. As so he's up way. in stake and kidney. That's right, yeah. that's right. All right. And so he was one of the first, because this was the the crazy thing, and maybe he was a little bit more enlightened than Von Mueller was, because Von Mueller used to go bushwalking and in his great sort of European arrogance said, there's nothing here to eat, there's nothing here to eat, maybe I'll just throw blackberries around the place so everybody can eat stuff, and then that's known as Von Mueller's curse. Maiden obviously had a much more. Uh, he, he was he was better at looking around and seeing what was available and mm. was, was interested in that. Was he not? Well, he certainly he helped to identify and really sort of structure a lot of the uh, the native botanicals that we know and love today. Um, yeah, so he was definitely very influential, and particularly for us, he had such a passion for it. Looking back and reading about him, that uh, we decided to turn him into a botanical as such, which is one of the things you can do: turn an English word into a Latin word for botanical purposes to put a double I on the end of it. Brilliant. Uh, so yeah. And what are the um, what are some of the botanicals that are sort of your Julie Andrews, if you like? Your these are a few of my favourite things. Well, the one that we've, we've got a Negroni in front of us here that we're drinking and. God uh, bless. And, uh, I know. And, uh, <laughs> and thank you to Seb for making it. It's nice to not yep. have to make cocktails myself uh, for a change. Mm. You're very welcome. <laughs> and uh, so the sweet vermouth that we use in here, we use a lot of strawberry gum um, or a, a eucalyptus alida, which is a, a very hot property at the moment. Methyl cinnamate. My goodness. Mm. I remember the molecule. It's, it's a bit too early to be talking like that to me. So. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, but no, this, but I do. I've got the first person that put me onto that was, was Seb who gave me this bloody gum leaf <laughs> yes, and said, yes, yeah. check this out, and it completely blew my it's unbelievable, mind. unbelievable, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. I just the the gum tree itself is just phenomenal. The, whichever yeah. different genus you've got, all the leaves smell differently. I'm sure Seb can be, yeah, can be I mean, a we, testament to got, that with lemon gum. We've got two in our gin, yeah, mm. because we want and the lemon gum is just mm, phenomenal. Yeah. Is that like the, the lemon scented gums that we see that's growing right. around yep. uh, mm, uh, in, near the Yarra? There's there's great examples mm-hmm. of those right throughout. Uh, you know, Collingwood, Fitzroy, Carlton. So any time after a strong wind, you might see me out in the Ute <laughs> looking for fallen branches. <laughs> and dare I say it, the trees that take over backyards, because I think a lot of people underestimate the size that they grow to. They're big. Um, what other botanicals um, have you been using? And and the range, too, because there's more than one. It's not like sort of yeah, one Yeah, well, we've expanded. I think we're up to about seven or eight now, and we actually make Whoa. special vermouths for different bars as, uh, as such as well, we're creating something from the ground up, uh, particularly for for certain places, which is quite exciting. Mm. The uh, Obviously, Wormwood's the one that we haven't really spoken about. It's not a native, but it's, uh, it needs to be in vermouth to be called vermouth. Back to the Artemisia. That's right. Artemisia yeah. absentium, which is why, uh, you know, Seb and I are such good friends. <laughs> he uses it in his gin. Bond. I use it in my vermouth. <laughs> Makes it. a cracking martini. Bonding over a perennial herb. That's right. Uh, but you get it in this Negroni. Mm. You know, I can't. I, uh, you know, the power of radio, you can't smell it, sadly. But, you know, there's this incredible Artemisia on the nose. It's, it's just beautiful. And then mm. it's got that hint of Australia underneath. Yeah, Matt didn't it, like his. He's, uh, Matt's still here, and he's just... Um, I've just poured, I've been uh, done the noble thing and poured a little bit more of mine in there. <laughs> this makes a great Negroni. And the, and the fact is that Negronias can be so variable as to what vermouth you put in there, mm. what gin you put in there, and um, yeah, it's amazing. It can it, they can go all over the yeah. job, can't well, they? When we first designed the sweet vermouth, that was what we had in mind was a Negroni. It's not as sweet as other sweet vermouths. Uh, it's mm. what you probably call a dry sweet vermouth, um, and it's a lot more restrained compared to the other ones because you don't want to cover up that beautiful gin flavour. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, and this is the the thing. So um, I guess. For a lot of us um, who might have grown up with, um, oh no, really? Oh damn, sorry. That, see that sound? That's right. That means we're getting it's to the end over. of the show, which is a, a bit of a shame. But um, can it, I throw one thing out there, Cam? Mm. There's a beautiful article. Yep. Just to interrupt you. Go. Mm. There's 1,400 unique botanicals in England. There's 22,000 in Australia mm. that wow. have never. You know, they're all edible. They, most of them have never been distilled, have never been macerated. So what's going to happen over the next 10 years with Australian gin and vermouth is going to be awesome. Mm. That does sound good. So in an English country garden, well, I won't sing it. There's nowhere um, near enough. No, there's That's not enough. So say that again. So 1,400 in the English country garden. 22,000 in Australia. Now, um, have you got any news regarding the gin? Almost for for lovers of Artemis Gin. Yeah. In uh, in, Made in, in another downtown Collingwood. In another week, you will be able to love it under a new name. So look out for that. If you follow us on our social media wonderland of stuff, you mm. will you will see that transformation happen. One minute left, um, Sean. Where do we find your awesome product? First of all, spell it again for people in case. M A I D E N I I. You can call it Maiden Eye, yeah. Maiden Eye, Maiden E. Just don't call it Maiden Two. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, don't do not do that. Uh, there's a very, very lovely website that goes with it, there which is. has um, backstory, um, talk of the botanicals, the great collaboration you Correct, have yeah. with uh, Gilles. That's right. Gilles. Gilles, very good. Don't do. call him Gillies. He doesn't like that. I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that, especially um, when he's not around. Um, c- 
congratulations in all seriousness in Thank creating you. a really, really great brand and yeah. something you've brought up flavors that maybe we took for granted for a very, very long mm. time. So well done on your boffinry and all those tinctures that you've done. Lovely. Thank you very much, Ken. Yeah, Thanks for having bloody us. Bloody pleasure. Seb, thank you for coming in. Mm. Always a pleasure. Uh, Matt, good on you. He's waving to us, ladies mm. and gentlemen. We've still got some cannolis to go, and I'm still going to work out how this chocolate one goes. Tracy Hutchison is in. Is she waving to us? I've got she's, my back to her. She's oiling up the microphones, ready for Sunday lunch. There she is. Oh, look at that. Oh, there it is. She's ready to take the handball. I, I don't think we're breaking any surprises by saying Dr. Pump's in the house for JVG at 2 o'clock as well. So stay tuned, people. I'm amazed she didn't come in for a Negroni. Mm. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next week. We're going to be talking mm. about the forum. Yeah. It be interesting. Mm. Mm. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.